welcome to the specialized ladies i'm your host bridget jenkins and nikki wheeler you know what guys we've got a new name but the same us yes <laughs> yeah i mean that wasn't a forced decision i think we equally decided that this would be a best thing for our, our brand and what we want for the future for this podcast. I agree, Bridget. I'm really excited about the name. Yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of podcasts and Instagrams with behavior in it, and I feel like we're going in a more broad direction. In a special direction. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much more of a special direction. I love it. Yeah, so I just have to tell my listeners, currently my brain is a little bit blown right now because I don't know, well, this you probably don't know about me. I She loves candy. I love candy. And one of, not like necessarily chocolate, even though I do like chocolate, don't freak out. I love gummies. So mm-hmm. Haribo gummies are one of my favorites. And my students love, well, back when we could use edibles, um, not that we always prefer using edibles, but anyway, they yeah. love the they love the gummies. So I randomly got a pack today, and I looked at the back, and I was just I was at a loss for words. The red was raspberry, and the green, Bridget, do you want to know what the green flavor was? What would you was, assume I the green say, is? I would say some sort of like lime, right? Like you would assume lime or maybe yeah. green apple, strawberry. I about died. I, I'm telling you this because I've been avoiding the green gummies because I don't like lime or green apple. I love strawberry, but I've been avoiding the green gummies my whole gummy bear career, and they're strawberry. Yeah, I don't know, because I don't eat as much candy as you, and I blame you for eating the candy that I eat currently, because every time I go to her house, she has candy everywhere, and I'm just like, oh, I'll just have a bite, and then I realize how addicting a candy can be, so I just need to stop. I mean, candy candy's puns. delicious, but candy I agree. Puns. I need one too, but I just had to share that. I had no idea. I really had no idea the green in Haribo gummies was strawberry. Who knew? Well, my share for today is that I rode my bike here in like 98 degrees. I was just going to say, <laughs> how did you not just die? <laughs> I almost did. I was just, well, first of all, I was like, can I even get there? Are the roads closed? Then my second concern was like, how hot is it? Can I, I need water. I don't know. Well, you look pretty fabulous for considering that you biked over here with your laptop and you should and see these mics and, and these cords and, <laughs> and tripods. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Well, thanks. That makes me feel better that I made this decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to just say that I'm personally super pumped about today because today's episode is really about one of my favorite topics that I love to talk about. It's near and dear to my heart. It's about therapy. Yes, normalizing therapy. And we're going to talk about ABA therapy, speech therapy. Behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. ACT or acceptance commitment therapy. There's so many therapies. Therapy is just great. I do yeah. think it is. Yeah. Who? Everyone can benefit from therapy. I, I really do believe that. And I do actually, side note, I write about therapy because I do believe there's such a stigma not always, but associated with mental health and seeking therapy. So I think it's great to talk about it, which I'm so excited to do today. Yeah. Where do you write about your therapy, Nikki? Bridget, you're so sweet. I mean, <laughs> I started a blog this year and it's been such a passion project. 
in addition to this podcast, but writing sure. is just therapy to me. So if you ever want to read it, not say, not trying to push it on you, but it's www.nikkiwheeler.com. Yes! <laughs> and we also want to uh, plug our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash thespecializedladies. We haven't put any extra episodes up there yet, but our intentions are going to be that. <laughs> Hopefully, like, one a month. I think that, like aligns with four episodes that we give out for everyone else and then one for the patreon um so you can support us that would be so great yeah and again thank you as always for listening for supporting us for your feedback for writing in and actually i should mention we have a new email address it used to be well you know the old name but it's now the specialized ladies at gmail.com yes and that's where you can write us about our your advice or give us any concerns comments anything like that and then on on our podcast make sure you give us a five-star review and tell us how amazing and beautiful and stunning we are but we would love that and just fabulous <laughs> well excellent and also our instagram is also the specialized ladies so go ahead and check it out check out who we are put a face to a name whatever you want to do So, without further ado, today we have a fabulous guest speaker. We're going to recap episode two of Love on the Spectrum, which is so amazing. And we're also going to end with our advice segment. Yes, without further ado, this is Kat. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It's my first podcast experience, so here I am. (laughs) We're so happy to have you, Kat. Yes. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming. Thank you. And in person, it's the best when we get to see people because it's rare these days. I know. And don't worry, we are six feet apart. We are nowhere within touching distance, and we've been following all (laughs) safety protocols. Taking all the precautions. Yes. I have hand sanitizer at like every different room in my house. Okay, well, Kat, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got into what you do. Sure. So I am a licensed clinical psychologist, and how did I get into it? I think I just always thought it was like super interesting and you know I was always kind of trying to figure out like hey like how do I do things more effectively like what is working what's not working I mean I don't think anyone knows exactly what they want to do you know it's kind of one of those things that like we have an idea Mm -hmm. so I was like yeah like psychology classes so interesting and I sort of went with it which is interesting because it was like the one thing where I'm like yeah like totally sure about this but I, I think it took time to figure out like how do I want to utilize that, right? Like, do I want to work in a hospital? Do I want to do, like, this type of therapy? Or do I want to work in this setting, right? Like, there's still so many ways to be a psychologist or, like, just to be, you know, like, to make it essentially a career that's a good fit. Right. And, like, there's a lot of different factors that go into thinking, mm-hmm. you know, am I going to like it? Is, mm-hmm. is it going to feel like work? Am I going to make a living? Am yeah. I going to be able to support a family? Exactly, exactly. There's just so much, and... I feel like I just thought about nothing <laughs> when I thought about a career. Well, and, you know, we're expected to make these decisions pretty mm-hmm. early on. I mean, at yeah. 19 in college, 20, I mean. Oh, totally. I mean, we don't how, know. What, yeah. How am I supposed to uh-huh. know what I'm going to do forever? I'm, like, concerned about where am I going to go out <laughs> and all the cute boys that are around me and parents are gone. I mean, you yeah. know, when you think about yeah. it. Oh, like, that's all I thought about. <laughs> I was like, well, where's my next yeah. <laughs> right? was like, where's my next drink? Where's the next guy I'm going to see? Like, I did not even think star, star. about my yeah. career. What's your area of expertise with therapy? Sure. So I actually specialize in eating disorders. I specialize in 
a full spectrum, like everything from anorexia nervosa to, you know, more like loss of control eating, so like binge eating, night eating, compulsive overeating, emotional eating, uh, bulimia, right? Like, so I really specialize in disordered eating. Body image is another one that is very much like an area of interest for me. Um, I would say mood and anxiety you know, is definitely something that I work a lot with. Trauma. And then I, I think just also everyday concerns, right? Like relationships, making sure that we're creating habits that are really helpful for us. I need to see you. I mean, I've been <laughs> binge eating throughout this. I mean, I go through these waves of like binge eating and quarantine and then I don't, and then I'm healthy and then I binge. Don't you, I also read a little bit, um, don't you do a lot of mindfulness? Yeah, so I love mindfulness. And honestly, like I think for every single individual it's such a useful skill I would say like mindfulness and self-compassion are like the big two where pretty much everyone could use I've never met someone who like could not use those I can totally relate to that I I consider myself as pretty mindful and compassionate Mm -hmm. and love myself but I mean, I have my days. Like, sure, sure. Totally, like, so normal. Yeah. I can totally, especially now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when I have my rough days is yeah. when I find myself comparing myself to other people. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why is that like that for them, or why sure. is it like this mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. that person? Yeah. Um, when. I sit back and reflect and like stop comparing. You're an amazing person. You're beautiful. Yeah. Like you have a great a lot to offer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's when it stops. Yeah, yeah. So you're able to really well. And what's so I'm cool, right? Self reflective yeah. enough. You like notice that, and you're yeah. able to take a step back, and you're able to really like look at it through a different lens, which is great, yeah. right? And like that is such a major skill in itself. That's what I've been told. I've been told that I, by people that love me, that I'm very self reflective. <laughs> <laughs> You are. You really are, and that's a great one of the reasons why I why I love you and why so many people love you. And going back to mindfulness, that's something I've personally worked on in therapy. For those of you that don't know, I personally struggle with generalized anxiety, so I've I've been going to therapy for a while. I love my therapist; she has saved my life. And it's one thing suggestion that I've gotten from her is to practice some more meditation and journaling. And let me tell you, meditating is hard. Yeah, for me, totally. I think it's hard for most people, especially like at the start of building that practice. It's you know the the most common feedback I get is like it's not working. I think it's so hard for people because I've gone that. Oh, easy. There's so many thoughts. It's like you know you you could you could do it for like a minute and then a minute goes by like. You start thinking about, oh, what am I going to do after this? Oh, and then uh-huh. what am I going to eat? And then where am I going to buy it? And then like, it's like yes, a slippery yes, yes. slope of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you're like, okay, I'm meditating. i got to yeah. go back. And- totally. I mean, that's how our mind is supposed to work, right? Like, we're supposed to have reactions. We have, like, all these different thoughts that come up for us, right? So I think, like, honestly, one of the greatest barriers, I think, for why we get so stuck with learning mindfulness is our own expectations, right? I think so many people, we come into it and we're kind of like, oh, I'm going to be like this like totally zen person that is just making my mind empty for hours or even just like even 10 minutes of like emptiness is just like close to impossible right and I it's think challenging. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with five minutes totally and that's hard for 100% me currently I'm hoping yeah. to get better no but like honestly what I would really put out there I guess you know is like mm-hmm. it's, it's not about clearing our mind because like 
that's part of our human experience, right? Like we're going to have these thoughts, we're going to have these emotions. Mindfulness is really about allowing and accepting all of those reactions that naturally come up and to be able to really let it be there while noticing what's occurring and guiding our mind to where we want it to go. It's kind of like if we're walking the dog and it keeps like running off, right? We're like gently bringing it back without judging that it's walking off, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's gonna do it again. And then we like gently bring it back again, right? Like that's so much more mindfulness than like controlling it perfectly at all times. Like that's what actually makes us feel so much more like stressed out. Really? You know, and okay. I feel like that's very a good skill to have for our line of work, Bridget. Yeah. Is, is individuals who work with a lot of children with special needs, mm-hmm. and I do think even for parents, I think mindfulness. Sometimes you become a little bit selfless, and you you focus so much on everyone else, yeah. and then you, at the end of the day, you're like, "Why am I mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. dead? Like maxed and out? Yeah. I am like mm-hmm. I, I ran out of gas almost. And but you love what you do, and you yeah. wake up excited to go back in the morning. But Absolutely. sometimes mm-hmm. I, I do think that mindfulness yeah. piece is yeah. so critical, and I personally have benefited from it. And I know a lot of my colleagues probably yeah. can do so. Yeah, 100%. I definitely think not only even just us could benefit from it mm-hmm. if the parent they have difficulty with accepting that certain things happen with their kids and they want to like oh my god I'm so sorry they did that oh my gosh you know I'm so sorry they hit you or I'm so sorry they threw that toy at you it's it's like no 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 there no apologies here we need to not, yeah we need mm-hmm. to not stop mm-hmm. apologizing stop yeah, feeling like it's yeah. your fault mm-hmm. stop feeling mm-hmm. like or even my fault. Like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, yeah. oh, I could have been a better therapist. Sure. I could have done this. I could have mm-hmm. antecedently, mm-hmm. like, before the behavior mm-hmm. happened, I could have done this. Yeah. I could have prevented yeah. As parents, as therapists, we're not mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we should all sit back and think, like, mm-hmm. we're all here to help. And it, there's going to be bumps in the road. And sometimes it's not mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. Okay. I really just appreciated that analogy of the dog walking because I like what you said about it's – because sometimes I think – that our minds just it's natural mm-hmm. for me at least you know that control piece yes uh-huh. and that almost makes it worse sometimes totally it's better just mm-hmm. accepting yeah it's and a lot of guiding mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I love how you described that so that was really cool yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah. it's hard you know and so I think like in theory right we're like yeah like totally I can get on board with that and then it's the also like application of it where it's like oh shit like this is hard stuff you know and honestly I think like with mindfulness it's very much building that muscle you know like just like if we're like lifting yeah. weights every day if we do a little bit each day eventually it gets easier and easier and it's more automatic and then it's like instinctual for us to think that way yes I love that you said that because a lot of times I get upset because if you had uh, an area that you needed to work on for example physical therapy if you sure. needed to you gave the muscle example mm-hmm. you would work on that yeah but sometimes our, our minds need that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't understand why sometimes it takes courage to admit that mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. are going seeking mental sure, help, sure. but we need mm-hmm. work on that, similar yeah. to any other muscle. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's really cool. I just love your analogy. Therapy is that we are not mentalistic, as I'm sure you probably know. We only deal with what we see. And so we deal with overt behaviors, um, and covert behaviors, but mostly co- overt behaviors because overt is what you actually visibly see. And overt behavior is what you see. And covert 
is what's under the covers. So I, I remember the whole covers covered. It's so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's all like, I like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm because, you know, as you, everyone knows on this podcast, I'm studying for the board. So I'm, I'm all these terminologies. I'm, you, you have these like nifty ways. It's like ways, very so, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great way to think of that. Yeah. Okay. So I hope oh. that someone listening may be studying for the board so that can use that. Covert cubbies, like it's covered. Like covered, covered, okay, covered. Yeah. Co- oh, it's, yeah. It's so a good like, memory yeah. And I, my thoughts are, you know, how, because we are different, very different mm-hmm. in our therapy. What, how do you perceive the, the behaviors you see? I mean, honestly, I think it's, uh, it depends on, every therapist has their own style too. I mean, personally, like, the work that I like to do is very behavioral, um, and it, it's cognitive behavioral, right? Like, it's I do acceptance commitment therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, so it's like, I definitely use different approaches, but when it comes down to it, I do think that there's a lot of value at looking at, like, what are people doing behaviorally, and what's the function of it, right? Because mm-hmm. I have I, met so many people that have been in therapy for most of their lives, and I mean, First of all, that's, that is amazing because they really have invested in understanding themselves and working through a lot of deep-rooted issues. And, right, like I will also add, I think it's so imperative that we are actually changing some of our habits that are not working for us because we can talk about what's bothering us till we're blue in the face. And if we don't apply any of these strategies, we're staying stuck. Function. Exactly, exactly. You guys both mentioned function. Well, that's what I was just going to ask is like, how do you determine the function of your mm-hmm. behaviors? Yeah, so we really take a look at, you know, and especially because I specialize in eating disorders, I work uh, in the past, especially with like addictive behaviors. And, you know, so really looking at like, what's the purpose of having that drink or, you know, engaging in that binge or engaging in that you know, body checking or restriction, right? Like, what does that behavior do for you? Because Mm -hmm. we have to understand, and especially because in order to change something, we really have to increase our insight into that decisional balance, right? Like, there's always reasons why behaviors work, and then there's reasons why they don't work. And if we don't acknowledge that, unfortunately, these maladaptive behaviors have a lot of especially short-term benefit, then it makes it really tough to change it and to really kind of move forward and create other strategies. Right. And so when you're teaching, do you teach replacement behaviors? Because in ABA, when we're trying to get rid of a behavior, Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. can't just get rid of it. We have to replace it with a functional, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. appropriate Uh behavior. Totally. Is there something similar along the lines of your therapy? A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's different, you know, because it's not so concrete. Right. You know, right, my, right. my guess is like, it's, it, it varies in that sense because I think with, and, and again, like every therapist is totally different. So that this, I can only talk to like my own personal stuff. Oh no, totally, totally. <laughs> but it really is like looking at like, okay, like what is this, like, how is this working for you? What's the function of it? Is it serving you in some way? Like for example, for a lot of people, a lot of maladaptive behaviors, one main function we often see is it takes away a lot of those distressing emotions, right? Like, you know, no one wants to feel like super anxious or like really down or ashamed or guilty, right? Like those are emotions that oftentimes we try to avoid, right? So like... I am a, I am guilty of, <laughs> of an avoider. I, I often feel guilty mm-hmm. and I hate feeling guilty. Sure, so totally. I, I try to avoid it. And mm-hmm. actually everything you're saying, I'm like, as someone who's been in therapy yeah. and it's, you know, what's interesting here is, mm-hmm. you know, 
I'm a therapist by nature, yes. but I still need therapy. And I think one of the cool things is recognizing. Yes. And I love what you said about you can be blue in the face talking about what you're doing wrong, but until you actually try to work on the things or, or find different ways to cope or different strategies, it's it's unbelievable what um, how you can improve. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, you know, I agree as well. Like, I think, you know, like everything that I talk about, like I believe in myself, I like utilize myself. So it really is like every one of us, like I think therapy is good for all of us. It doesn't matter totally. for a therapist, you know. it doesn't know? have to be yeah. long term. Like, totally, 100%. Be, so, like a um, tune-up. Yes, yeah. it's like. You get your car checked. Yes. What's wrong with yeah. that? It's like hundred percent. Yeah, and even like I think also knowing there's so many ways to utilize it, right? Like, yes, I really think like for for some people it is we're struggling and we need to we need support. We need help to get to a place where we're really functioning more effectively, and then establishing habits. However every single one of us has blind spots. You know, every single one of us has some something that we could create some growth around, you know? So I think it's also like, we can do it just even to optimize. However, I have a hard time believing that every single one of us doesn't have like certain things. I have another question that is, so basically I've heard a lot that cognitive behavior therapy and ABA therapy are correlated or like they have some similarities and basically their similarity is that they're both scientifically proven um, therapies. What are your thoughts on cognitive behavior therapy? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely, it's great. I mean, it is evidence-based, which is nice. I think it's important to look at, like, how we interpret different information, right? Because so much of how we behave is based on our perceptions, and so Mm -hmm. much of that is based on our past experiences. And to be able to, like, have that awareness, I mean, going back to mindfulness, right, like, is so, so, so valuable. So there's great results that can come from really understanding and developing cognitive behavioral therapy skills. I do use it in conjunction with other types of therapies. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So what is your understanding of cognitive behavior therapy? Because mine, and I could be wrong, please correct me if I am, is that it's basically that you, so the glass is either half full or half empty. And in cognitive behavior therapy, it's developing a way of looking at something more positively. Cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, to really like summarize it, it's essentially the idea that our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors are all related. And when there's a stimulus, right? I'm sure this is like very similar yes. to what you do, right? Right? There's, I know we got like so nerded out on it. I yeah. love it. Right? <laughs> there's some type of stimulus. So like, say that we are coming to a roller coaster. <laughs> Super random example, right? I like this We're example. We're standing in front of a roller coaster, right? Yes. And the raging bull. What is a thought you may have? Scary. I hate, I hate, you hate roller, them. Okay, hate this them. is long perfect. line. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you like them? Yes, but okay. long line. Okay, well then, because I, I hate them. No, no, but this is great because you guys have different, right? Oh, so like. Okay. Oh, I love this. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, so cool. like, same stimulus. You're standing okay. in line, you're looking at a roller coaster, for one of you, right? <laughs> What's the emotion that comes up for you, Bridget? I'm. I, well, first of all, I hate upside down rides. So if my, oh, little, my favorite. Really? <laughs> yeah, okay. So I, oh, if it has an upside down uh-huh. portion in it, yeah. then I'll be like, I never knew this about you, Bridget. I'm learning I so much. About I, I know. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, you will. I, I actually had a really bad experience oh, with no. that. Yeah. Oh, where like sorry. I fell like 
it was like a cage and it like Oof. went upside down and I like fell out of the cage because I was oh like, my so gosh yeah that is terrifying that is legitimately so terrifying since <laughs> so since then I can yeah. not do upside down rides oh. but with you Sorry, I really that. like them Nikki right Oh, I I love roller yeah. coasters. I love the thrill. I love the higher, the the better. Sure. So so same thing, right? You guys are looking at the same exact thing, and yes. yet because of your past experiences, being on a roller coaster, which it sounds like it was absolutely terrifying, right? Like oh, absolutely. Terrifying. Yeah. So like it makes sense that when you're looking at it, my guess is you're feeling fear or you're feeling like a little or maybe a lot nervous, right? Like you're, yeah, you're feeling some feels. Well, I just avoid yeah <laughs> amusement parks. Entirely. Yeah, so that so that takes us kind of through. So imagine like we have a little chart, right? Like yeah. I love my charts. Don't have it right now in front of me. All good. I so a chart too, Kat. I know. Really appreciate it. Girl <laughs> yeah, after my own heart. So so we Game have the Yes. So we have the thought, right? Like the thought is if I go on this roller coaster, something terrible is gonna happen again. And this is just like an example, obviously, but like right. you know, and then we may feel really scared looking at it because of that thought and because of our past experiences that are creating that automatic thought, right? Right. So we have that thought, we feel fear, and then the behavior. So our emotions don't, they don't like automatically mean that we're going to do something, right? Like the reaction is something we get to decide. However, what we're feeling is going to influence it, right? Right, right. So totally. you mentioned like your oftentimes response to roller coasters is not going. <laughs> yeah. So I'm avoiding yeah. my function of behavior is avoiding. Yeah. So you don't have to feel that or feeling escape, rather. because it's super uncomfortable, which makes sense. Yeah. And I, I go to roller coasters, I'm assuming, because yes. I enjoy them. I enjoy the thrill. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and maybe that would be like a What's the, is it the sensory function, Bridget? You think? Or, I, would, I would definitely say that's like a sensory function. Yeah, I like sure. love how it feels. Like you know, yeah. when you drop, yeah, like the sensory. how you feel. That's terrifying your stomach, feeling. Adrenaline. Like, yeah. But you're still yeah. safe. Like yeah. you're locked down. Well, well. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> Apparently, I was like barely buckled in when um, I like was like jiggling around. Yeah. And the, the crazy part is, is like I was with my friend, and they were buckled in, and mm-hmm. they were they stayed in fine, and then I just like oh. slipped out. Of, oh my like, gosh! This is a zipper, guys, don't ever go on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you talking about like a carnival ride? Yeah. Oh, a carny ride is so different. Those are a little scary. I'm a little. Fe- I know exactly what you're talking about. I also fell out of the zipper. Oh my gosh! Ones. Okay, note to self: not going to <laughs> carnival anytime soon. It didn't affect your future <laughs> frequency of your behavior. Oh, no. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, breaking the rules. Yeah. I mean, I love roller coasters. But anyways, the point of that whole thing whole was point. like, Sorry, let's go right, our point. perception is going to really influence how we feel and it's going to influence what we do, right? So if we know that, wait a minute, this is what I'm telling myself, this is what it's then leading to as far as like the response, that gives us a lot of power. It gives us a lot more room to change that response. Right. Right. Yeah. So, for example, say that. So this, like, say we're scared of, like, I'm scared of haunted houses. Don't love them. Same. Right. Like, not a fear I totally have to challenge unless, like, I decide I want to work at one. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, same with roller coasters. Like, oh, yeah. it's not something that is probably going to affect your life no, significantly. No. However, like, say that you were scared of getting into a car or getting on a plane. Right. Like, that is something that you would want to really look at. Like, what am I telling myself in those moments that's creating and influencing my responses to it? Or even, like, public speaking. 
Exactly. That's a great example. Because that's yeah. something you may need for yes. a career or 100%. a job. Which I find to be very common. Uh-huh. Yes, it really is. It is. I agree. Yeah, totally. I brought that up because yeah. I yeah. do hear that a lot. Yeah. And that's a fear I think would need. Yeah. I mean, if that, yeah. that's clearly not for me. I don't have a fear of that, but some people may do. I don't really have a fear either. Uh-huh. I think it's like the leading up where I'm like... Yeah, the anticipation. I think, I, I think what we're thinking and telling ourselves, those narratives, when they're just like not helpful in creating some maladaptive responses for us. Um, so because with the pandemic, right, like there's so much uncertainty and there's so much fear that's actually like real, (laughs) right? Like it it is normal. It is healthy and natural for us to have a fear response. And like, we're so, I think just not for so many different reasons, right? Like when this started, I think like for most of us, it was very unexpected and it was a huge change. I almost, from my point of view, thought that we were we had a an end in sight, mm-hmm. at least a relative. Yeah, you yeah. We all had a little bit of that hope at the beginning, yes. right? Like, oh, like Especially, two more months, two more yes. months. Or even that initial period. I I don't know why I never thought that. The two, I, <laughs> You're a realist well, now. I'm really not though. Like, I, I feel like I'm a very optimist. Ah, but uh-huh. in this situation, I felt very real. I was like. Mm, like statistically speaking, uh-huh. scientifically speaking, sure, sure. Yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. I think I was one of those who had unrealistic expectations. Uh-huh. In my mind, it was going to be a two-week thing at home, so that's why I ate and drank whatever I wanted. And then you're like, "Wow, I can't continue at this rate." <laughs> no way. No yeah, way. it was just such a drastic change. I mean, it really is. Like, it's a huge change to how we live our lives and how we operate. I mean, even just like leaving our house, it's like, wait a minute. I need my mask, I need my hand sanitizer, I need to, like, make sure that I'm, like, morally, you know, behaving in a way that is, That's I mean. another thing, too. Yeah, yeah. The, the exhaustion yes. of, I mean, there was an article, I forgot who wrote it, but there was, I think it was Rolling Stone's article about, like, the. the gaslighting? Uh, th- that was a different, but there's so, there's, like, a that lot of great articles about the way right now. <laughs> I was, like, the ga- if anyone is yeah. listening, I highly recommend the gaslighting article. Mm-hmm. That was a good so one. So good. Yeah, Totally. Right, but there, there's a lot of um, a lot of really interesting observations. I think we're noticing, right? Like we're feeling more exhausted than we typically do. People's sleep is just really off. I mean, it's kind of like when people go to. I was listening to a podcast. They were talking about when people go out to space and they're like isolated and all of their, you know, like their daily tasks are in the same environment how, like, you have to take a lot of precautions so that you, like, stay well emotionally yeah. and physically. I think at this point, it's, I'm not That's even, good I'm not even worried about, well, I am worried about getting sick because I don't want to spread it, not because I don't feel like I can handle it. I'm more worried about my mental health. Yeah. Um, because I'm naturally a social being, and I mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. in this environment, I don't feel like I have all the options to, and I don't want to because I'm too scared to, like, for other people, but... Right, like, the last thing we'd want to do is spread it to somebody, Because I've worked... Yes, we both work with several people, so you've got to be very careful, and they have families, and they have, you know, and it's like a, you know how that goes, so... For sure. They're heavier decisions, I mean, they really are, and it's, you know, we haven't had to think so carefully about every little thing that we do I mean it really is just like it, it's draining right oh one million percent Super do, you draining. Ha- do you have any advice for people in this pandemic who are either struggling 
I know this is kind of a very open question and vague question, but either struggling with anxiety and fear or maybe even a suggestion for improved mindfulness during this time of uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I have, like, the answer. <laughs> yes, cause or just a general... <laughs> Total. Don't think anyone has yes. the answer. Exactly. So I think the first part, honestly, is, like, for all of us to just, like, take a deep breath and acknowledge that, like, life is so messy and <laughs> there's no perfect way to be and to get through this. Because I think, especially at the beginning, you know, it was all about, like, let's have a perfect schedule and we're going to, like, do a million things every day and it's going to be great. You know, I think, like... There was a lot of pressure I heard from people about expectations, and I really think a big part of it is adjusting those expectations and still, you know, having structure, still having certain tasks, certain priorities that are important to us, making sure we're really slowing down and listening to ourselves, right? Like you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, like... Yeah, that's what I do for mm -hmm. myself. I honor, you know if I'm feeling sad or if I'm feeling happy mm-hmm. or if I'm feeling frustrated, I try to honor my, yeah. okay, I'm in the moment. I'm feeling this way. Uh-huh. It's okay. Yeah. I love that. Uh-huh. Totally. It's okay. Uh-huh. Because when I hide it, yeah. mask it, uh-huh. what happens is it comes back full force, totally. mm-hmm. bigger mm-hmm. than ever. Yeah. And I don't Talk want that. About, I feel like that happens in relationships mm-hmm. though. Oh Sorry, yeah. Not to switch no, it does. Yeah. With communication. Well, 100%, totally. Yeah. yeah. That's another yeah it's kind of like you know like one of my favorite metaphors is like if someone's keeping a beach ball underwater right and it's like we're trying to like swim around this pool on this like beautiful day at the lake at the lake or beach yeah like whatever body of water (laughs) right like we're really trying to enjoy our time and the whole time we're at this pool we're trying to hold this beach ball underwater right like it's so exhausting and eventually like it's gonna pop right up and it's gonna be even less Oh, but for me, what I've realized is that that popping right up with the ball is way worse Uh than uh uh I think initially anyone, like, it's, so when I think of, I concur. Yeah. 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 And Mm -hmm. and with behavior, we have ABC data, which is um, antecedent behavior consequence. Mm -hmm. So. For me, I even do it on myself. I'm like, okay, antecedent, what what happened before the behavior? What happened yeah. before that huge blow up sure, where I started sure. freaking out and yeah. getting really upset? Uh-huh. I love that you do data. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, like, I, I have to say I love that. That is really cool. I like to work out. Well, I have to. I mean, yeah. not that I have to, but I think like when you're passionate. You're sure. yeah, yeah. And I, and not even learning, but when you're passionate, you want to yeah. just. You, like apply it. Yeah, and apply it's how you it. think probably. Yeah. yeah. You want to get more info. And in my way of thinking I think that if you can apply it in your everyday life yeah. you can apply it in your actual job yeah, yeah absolutely. applying it in your job is yeah. one thing but applying it everywhere is a whole nother thing ABA is is basically in manipulating or adjusting the environment and so like when I think about that, I think, okay, what did I do before that? What can I adjust in my environment before that to avoid yeah, that behavior? Yeah. Or not avoid per se, but just like make sure it's not as uh-huh, severe. Uh-huh. Yeah, to have a different response. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's a great idea is really to just check in with ourselves and really kind of look at like, how am I doing? You know, and, and in a very non judgmental, very like kind, compassionate manner. To mm-hmm. do that, honestly, I think it's a good idea to do that consistently. Like whether people are journaling or like meditating, or even just really taking a moment to take a deep breath and say like, oh, "How am I doing right now? You know, is there anything I need?" And yeah. really like 
basing the decisions we make around activities on that, right? Because there's certain times where I'm like, you know, I actually need more energy. I'm going to like go for a bike ride or I'm going to go swimming or do something that's a little bit more exciting. And then other times I notice that, wait a minute, I actually really need to have less activation, right? Like I need to just do something that I can turn my brain off a little bit. So maybe right. I'll just like very intentionally watch a movie or, you know, listen to some relaxing music. So I think there's really no like one perfect strategy and right. I would recommend really that like mindful approach, being kind to ourselves, being understanding and accepting, like you mentioned, which I right. love that idea. Yeah. And then the other part of it and to others. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because right now, like everyone's so on edge. Yeah. Right? Like, like being nice to others. Yeah. Why are we so judgmental yeah. and not yeah. accepting to others? I a hundred percent agree. Like really like contribution can feel really good too. Like right. sometimes that can be such an amazing way to, you know, like do good for others and also like to feel connected to our values, to connect it to other people, ourselves, right? Like that connection piece I think right now is really important. I was just gonna say, yeah, now more than ever that we need that connection and it's so hard sometimes to feel that way in a remote world yeah, right now. Totally. So that's great. Yeah, just like continuing to keep that in touch with the people that you love and care about. Like yeah. always reach out. Yeah. Absolutely. Not? But Kat, thank you so much for joining us today. We have enjoyed you so much. Yes, I, I could talk me. to you all day. I, I love you. Likewise. I literally you could talk great. to you all day. Like, <laughs> and one more time, Kat, I don't want to butcher your last name. Can you tell us, everyone, who you are? Just because you are so fantastic and we love oh, you. Likewise, yes. you guys are amazing. Thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs> and it's Kerasina. Kerasina. Kat, Kerasina. We Thanks, love you, Kat. Thank we you. And you. She's going to stick around, too, because as always, we like to have our guest contribute with advice all right now moving on to our recap segment we're gonna go over love on the spectrum episode two the episode started with michael on his first date with amanda they both appear to be very nervous and they're at a very fancy restaurant for a first date flowers and this is a first dinner date. I was, for me, I mean, I love his enthusiasm. I love his passion, but it was a little much just from, I, I just felt, I wish I could be there and say, Michael, perhaps have you considered another option for your first date? But at the same time, if he's into, if he's comfortable in the suit, go for it. But still. I know it's one of those things where it's like, Who's advising him that a suit and a, and a tie? And well, and I bring this up because dinner. she comes, she arrives, as I would assume at first date, she's in like a cute top and jeans. Yeah. And she is right away just from looking at the two, right? Like it seemed a little... I know, it just seemed a little awkward, which it happened to be really awkward because she ended up having to leave the date in the middle of it because she felt so uncomfortable and anxious. And she said it was just a bit formal. <laughs> yeah, which I couldn't tell if it was because of the cameras because True. I could see that happening with adults with autism that they feel really uncomfortable, they're feeling observed, and they can't feel like themselves. 
you even see Calvin at one point in the episode ask the cameras to leave. He formally asked. Like, it was really Oh, I, I actually, I do want to talk about that because that's a wonderful, I was actually very proud of him for protesting in a positive way. It was like pro-social and protesting. And he was nice about it, too. Yeah, so I actually really want to focus for all my speeches listening. There's two terms I really wanted to talk about today because you see it perfectly in episode two of Love on the Spectrum in Netflix. So... Going back to Michael State, him and I believe her name is Amanda, super cute girl. Um, they're mm. both fabulous. But right away, they both struggled, more so Michael, with reciprocal turn-taking. So what that means is, for example, uh, Amanda said, I used to study flowers. And Michael said, probably as he's been instructed before, you can use fillers. Like, yeah. And then it was crickets. Crickets, where... In therapy, I would suggest, I do this a lot with my students, is, okay, I asked, or I gave you a comment, is there anything else you could ask me about it? Oh, what kind of flowers? How did you get into studying flowers? So I think, you know, you could see that where they've learned skills, but they still struggle socially with some things. And it's just fascinating to watch, and that's one area I do think that, he could still probably use a little bit of improvement on is that reciprocal turn-taking where if someone gives you a topic, even if you're not interested in it, how to ask a question or how to move on. Right. I think we, in ABA, we actually teach that as well. Oh, excellent. It's a, we call it intraverbal turn-taking. Okay. A different. Um, but yeah, it basically is like, you know, if I ask you a question, answer the question. It, it's a little different, whereas, like, if it's a statement, it would be hard for them to answer back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but in this case, I feel like it, it's a lack of um, confidence and, and, and just maybe, like, the camera's looking. I really feel like the camera's had a lot of effect on I, it. I do agree. And I think for anyone, not just individuals on the spectrum, but for for me, for any average person, for totally. who knows? I mean, maybe even someone more comfortable with the camera. I think sometimes that presence is distracting. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I definitely think that was. But my favorite part of the episode was Maddie when she said, they asked her, um, how do you perceive yourself? Or like, what's something about yourself that you would like to tell the audience? And she said, I just want to let everyone know just because I'm on the spectrum doesn't mean I'm dumb. Yeah, she's she's fabulous. Love her. Love her outlook. Love her positivity. Love her family. She's, I love her family. She's amazing. And so if they are ever listening, you guys are awesome. And I just, they're, they're fabulous. Yeah, and I just think that that just goes back from the common misconception that autism associates you being dumb. No, it does not. It's, it's like... You're highly proficient in one area, um, and it's just about figuring out what that area is. Or even so with her, she she's cognitively very smart. She just socially she struggles a little bit. She described herself as smart. They asked her yes, what of her descriptions of herself, and she said, I'm smart. And I love when she talks to the camera by herself. She's like, yeah, sometimes people ask me questions slowly, and she's like, uh, what? Like, I'm not dumb. Like, I'm not dumb, guys. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, that is, and for, for anyone listening, that is one thing Bridget and I want to continuously hone in on is just because someone is diagnosed with autism or any special need, 
That does not mean that they are stupid. That does not mean that they are dumb. Yeah, and stop treating people like they are. Yeah, what is right. up with that? Just be like a nice human. Like, why would you, why would anyone say that to anyone? Yeah. And oh, then, not, no, even worse, what is worse to me is not saying it, it's acting like mm-hmm. it. True. That is true. Because you, in your head, you're like, do they think I'm dumb? Why do you think I'm dumb? Blah, blah, blah. And they, and they do pick up on things. And, you know, I know a lot of things have to be instructed, but they do recognize that things are different or people are treating them differently or, you know, that maybe they may look different, but that doesn't make them any less. So they are more, like, they are very, just as perceptive as we are sometimes, if not more. More, more, is from what I realized. And even Michael's mom made a comment about how Michael, some therapist or someone had told her that Michael was going to not be as compassionate or understanding or empathetic. And she's like, that could not even be further from the truth. And I'm like, yes, it's so true. Oh, yeah. Michael, again, once again, if you're listening, I love you. I would love to meet you. And you will find your person. Totally. Um, So not to skip around. So we had Michael. We had Maddie. Now we have Kelvin who just melts my heart. So Calvin's autism viewpoint, I really enjoyed listening to. He said, it just helps me to concentrate on one thing. And he, again, views it as a gift, not a disability. And he just really uses his strengths and he's very artistic. And you also get a further insight into his life with dating. And he works with Jody as well, the relationship therapist. And one thing you really see, Bridget, did you see how you saw a little bit more of Jody? how she was drawing and she had those visual supports? Yes. I use those too in my therapy. Yes. Session. Yes. So important. So she drew a female and she drew a male and she drew some conversation bubbles and she would give a hypothetical scenario and ask Kelvin how he could respond or react or she even acted it out with a role playing in terms of greeting. So she was, uh, she walked in and he was sitting she's like, how would you greet me and he's like this is your chair and he's sitting she's like no you gotta stand up and it's interesting I just love watching it because this is so much of what we do in therapy and those those skills that we take for granted really once you have some explicit instruction it is amazing what these individuals can understand that they just need a little bit of explicit instruction it's just like the functional communication training yes when you just explain what they need to say and how to say it Oh my gosh. The light bulb goes off. Yeah. Behaviors are reduced. They get what they they want. And you almost see it in them. They're like, oh, oh, that's what I have to do. Okay, I'll do that. And it's fantastic. So I appreciated Jodi again. I thought her and Kelvin's relationship was great. I think the dad, oh, Kelvin's dad was so sweet. So the mom is not, what happens with the mom? We weren't given any information. We were just told um, that his dad was single and he lives with his dad. So I thought, what a fabulous dad. And one thing I just loved, did you see how Kelvin said, um, you know, they were talking about him getting ready for the date. And he said, yeah, someone who's younger than you, dad. (laughs) (laughs) I literally laughed out loud and I had to rewind it and watch it because that was so funny. I (laughs) love the honesty and the perspective that 
they bring. Well, and they're it's, they're funny without trying to be funny because they're just being so themselves. That's what Maddie said. She was like, everyone says I'm so funny, but I don't try to be funny. And I'm like, that's amazing. It's kind of like Michael with like, he's not trying to be cheesy. He's just being himself. <laughs> it's so sweet. It's endearing. And I love, I also love Calvin's definition of love. He said, when a man and a woman get together, they'll make a perfect bond. I just died. I loved it. Oh, that's so, so sweet. Yeah. Oh, and he also, he's the one who protests. He said, um, you know, you see him along with the cameras, and he said, that's enough for now. Okay, thank you. And Yeah, that was, yeah, exactly. When I saw that, I was like, wow, impressive. Yes. That's a great skill to have, to be able to use functional communication to tell someone what you want. Rather than resort to behavior. You know, I get so excited when my students tell me <laughs> to go away on their device. I'm like, okay, I, and I leave, and I, I got a smile on my face, and the teachers no, look at me, and I'm like, no, you don't know the, <laughs> the, the progress that is. Because usually, you know, when they're younger, because my students usually are, are kindergarten at this point, and... They'll, they'll, they'll hit, they'll throw things, oh, don't, yeah, totally. they'll swipe materials. So the fact that they told me to go away, I'm, I get excited. I'm like, if they tell me to go away, I'm going away. I do cartwheels out the door. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> they didn't hit me. They didn't throw things at or me. Or they just used a socially appropriate result. It's just, you get so excited. So I, you could tell that Calvin's definitely had some therapy, whether that be behavior or speech, you know, the words. Well, whatever but, he had, it's working. So anyway, the episode ends with Calvin leaving for a date, and we've just really enjoyed this series, you guys, on Netflix. So we are going to assign episodes three and four, actually, for next week, if you're interested, again, of Love on the Spectrum, found on Netflix. That's because we will not be here next week. Um, Labor Day! And Labor. Bridget's birthday! Yeah, I was, my mom was in labor on Labor Day, just so you guys know. Oh, that's, oh yes! <laughs> So this is my birthday. Not we're not taking a week off because of my birthday. We're taking a week off because it's Labor Day, and we, we just like gotta it. honor the holiday. Yeah. A break from like work. Yeah, and we're honoring the breaks and life and changes and, and remote learning for those in a school has been very anxiety provoking and stressful. And I'm not gonna lie, I need a break. Well then. We gotta honor that. Yeah, we're gonna break. <laughs> <laughs> but we're coming back the following week. I think that's the September I believe. What day? I don't even know what day it is anymore, Bridget. Let's double check. It it's is the sixteenth. September sixteenth will be our next episode. Okay, doke. Now moving on to our advice segment. Woo-woo! Our last and most favorite part of our episode. I don't know why this makes me so happy this part. So we actually do have a write-in. Um, it's a little short but sweet. And once again, if for future, whether you're a parent in special education, just a listener who has a relationship problem or about life in general, please email us, new email at thespecializedladies at gmail.com. Here is our advice. Dear ladies, Lately, when I hang out with my friend, I feel more than friendship. This would be easy, except I am straight and my friend is gay. I am not sure if I am fully gay or bi or just curious, but how do I confront my friend with these feelings without being weird or ruining our friendship? Sincerely, Confused in Wisconsin. Well, okay. I mean, there's...
there's so much to unpack right there. I feel like there's like a lot and a little bit of detail. It's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I mean, first and foremost, you need to figure out what you are. Are you bi? Are you straight? Are you gay? I feel like that's the first thing. But how? I, I mean, yes and no. Yes, that is something that this person will need to figure out or decipher, but how will they know, Bridget, if they don't know? How you know what I mean? I think they're self-reflecting. I don't know. Cat, what do you think? Tell like me. they're feeling feelings for this person. I don't know, male or female. We're not sure, and of course all this is anonymous. So I don't it seems like they're surprised by these feelings and don't really know where to go. What are your thoughts, Kat? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, I think it's a tricky situation because with with any relationship, right, where you're friends with someone and you develop feelings, it can be a little bit delicate. And you want to, I think, just be maybe, I don't think you can ever be sure, you know, but I think you can be more comfortable really bridging that gap between being friends and then taking it to that next level. So what I would personally recommend is doing a little bit more exploring of sexuality for this person, right? Mm-hmm. Really considering, and I think especially today, you know, there's there's a lot of great resources out there. And I think really just starting with having a little bit of time to think about like, what does sexuality mean to them? What are their thoughts about, you know, with when we look at like, it is a spectrum, right? Like there is more fluidity today that we're understanding about sexuality and that maybe they don't fit in a box, you know? Like maybe they really respond to this individual and that's worth exploring and I think really listening to themselves, you know? So when they're when they're around this person that they are developing feelings for, when they're around other people of, you know, different different genders, different you know, sexual preferences to really kind of notice what's coming up for me. How does this feel for me? And another thing I just thought of with reading this, and again, I don't know too much, but I would almost want to ask the friend, how did you know you were gay? Mm-hmm. Or can, maybe question, you can yeah. have uh-huh. good, open and honest conversations yeah. without oh, sounding as, uh-huh. because, you know, they're your friend. They are yeah. your friend. Yeah. You trust them. They trust you. So I wouldn't of course, you don't want to ruin the friendship, and you still don't. You're still figuring things out, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. But I do yeah. think it's good to have those conversations, not necessarily insinuating that you have feelings with them just yet, but mm-hmm. maybe asking more. Being how curious. did you know? Mm-hmm. How, how do you? Were you ever? Did you ever consider the other gender? Were you mm-hmm. ever attracted to the you know to females and males? So I think mm-hmm. talking about that with your friend would be a really great start too. Do some self-reflecting. You have to research. Just there's some great resources out there. Figure things out and seek out your friend for advice too. Without you know you don't have to give them the insights of you're interested in him or her. Um, you just you gotta open up and and you don't want to keep these things inside. You you should. It's okay to yeah, avenues. and it's okay to talk about these things <laughs> and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we gotta normalize yeah. these kind of. Yeah, I think just it's like becoming therapy. also. Yeah, you know, like, that's the good news today. Like, it really is like such a more open dialogue, which is amazing, right? Like, yeah. we're yeah. talking more about like, like no what judgment. does gender Let's mean, what judge. does sexuality mean, what does therapy mean, all these different things that at yes. one point I think there's more like stigma and shame around, right? Like let's kind of bring it into the light and make it just like a normal part of our lived I experience. Agree, I you agree. know, like I just I'm not saying going around 
publicizing you go to therapy or publicizing that, you know, your whatever sexual orientation, but still it should, again, going back to my soapbox, it should not require courage to admit any of these things and fear of judgment. That is just, like, not okay with me, so. It's going to be scary, though, so I will add. It's it's scary, (laughs) but this is why we have to, this is where we should normalize it. Or coping, I don't want to assume. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's scary, but, you know, you got, we got to start normalizing mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like when someone asks me, for example, what are you doing Tuesday night? I won't be afraid to say, well, I'm going to therapy from five to six. What are you doing after? Yeah. Or it's like, I'm not like saying I'm going to therapy with the big sign, mm-hmm. but I'm not afraid to like lie. I don't yeah. lie about it. You know what I mean? Sure. Totally. There's a confidence there also. I think like when people own it, right? Like same. Yeah. Th- that makes a big difference because truly like usually it's our own judgment. It's and it, it's, if anything, a good indicator of, like, are people in our life understanding? Are people in our life, you know, accepting? Because if they respond in a very, like, aversive way, that's also data, right? For sure. So, like, it's uncomfortable. It can be challenging to have these conversations and to think about some of these topics for ourselves. You know, there's a ton of value in doing so. Absolutely. Well, Confused in Wisconsin, we hope that you... Got your advice. Or this helped you a little bit. (laughs) Um, for those of you, again, our email is thespecializedladies at gmail.com. And I just have to thank everyone listening. We love you. And again, thank you so much, Kat. Thank, thank you. you. We guys. loved you. Thank you, Kat. You guys loved having me. You're the best guest. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in two weeks. Right, Rich? Two weeks. Two weeks. 